Yeah! What's up, everybody? It's your favorite art-related podcast, The Art Pros, live from Hoboken, Baltimore. It's Gage B and Renz B. What up, y'all? Um, I, you know, we haven't been on the mic. We weren't on the mic last week because we were working on some content. We're ready to drop that for everybody soon. We work hard. We work past 40 hours a week because we are the paid artists. We are the art pros. We're professionals in many ways. And today we want to, uh, we have a very special guest to introduce. Today we have a true paid artist, professional, a master of his craft. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, first off, I would say that none of that was true. And uh, secondly, I'm uh, Bailey Race, but I uh, formally and informally also go by Really Base Prince on Instagram and all other forms of social media. So that, that? Uh, that's I. That's so professional. The first thing he drops, you, listen, you hear that, interns? He drops where you can find his work. And I have to say that, um, you know, I know this guy. So you can say I'm pretty cool. Renz is pretty cool. He knows this guy. But the coolest thing about Bailey for the context of this conversation is he has figured out a way to monetize his craft. And what is your craft, Bailey? Uh, to put it short, I illustrate for the music industry and I do posters for concerts and tours. Isn't that just like a dream? Waking up in a dream, doing what you want to do for a living? We're going to talk today about how Bailey, or really Bass Prince, made that happen. Find him on Instagram. Check out the dope stuff he's working on. You know how dope and legit he is. We can't even. He ha, he signs NDAs. Yeah, I have a uh, I have a LinkedIn. <laughs> you hear that? How many of you update your LinkedIn? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Quick side note: It's very important to keep your LinkedIn updated so that you can connect with at RayleighBasedPrince at Instagram.com. Yeah. True. And you also don't want to actually put the dot because on Instagram you can monetize that. So don't do that. So I'm, I'm sure that you've gotten really good at this because I've heard you do your elevator pitch before, but mm -hmm. just for the interns on the pod, when you describe your art to people before you've shown it to them, how do you normally do that? Uh, I, oh boy, I <laughs> used to, when I describe, like when I talk to people about what I do or just like talk to people about like the style of what I do. All right, let me set you up. So like I'm, I'm fucked up at the bar, but you okay. can tell I got a little bit of money and I, okay. I walk up to you and we're having a conversation. You're like, you're like, damn dude. I like your Pokemon tattoo. I'm like, yeah, man, it's a Charmander. He's the mm. best of the starting three. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I work in the music industry. And you're like, oh, really? I'm an artist, but my phone's dead. And I'm like, oh, what type of art do you make? Uh, I, I work a lot within the realms of nostalgia and within the realms of like landscapes. Uh, so <laughs> you could say that I kind of tap into dreamscapes in, in a way, but no, I think if I, if I had to describe my work, I would say that I work kind of in the realm of traditional pen and ink and like cross hatching and all of that, but kind of with a twist just because I work digitally. And so I go in and I work mainly within the line work first, making sure that I have all of the cross-hatching done, all of the different linear shading that I want to have in, and then moving in and using color palettes that kind of invoke a warm, fuzzy feeling, if that's the, the best way to put it. I don't know if that answers your question or not, but... No, yeah, that's perfect. Um, are there any, like, when you think of your work and you, you think of your inspiration, like, are there any, like, filmmakers or, so, like, popular culture that you think of 
Yeah, uh, so you yeah, you're gonna you're gonna laugh at me for this, but uh Wes Anderson. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean you have artists on this all the time, so I think you probably heard that from every single person. I'm not gonna say Tarantino because that's probably the second highest answer, but Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone <laughs> loves uh those two guys. But yeah. Alright, so if you've stuck with us for this long, four whole minutes, I want to lay everything out for everybody. But uh, if, if uh, I'm sure everybody's picked up, but Bailey, he's a digital artist. He works predominantly in Illustrator. And let me just tell you, I'm looking at the... Uh, yeah, uh, you just you got, a, you got a hard Photoshop. twisted there. No, 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 my bad, my bad, my bad. One of the just Adobe products. <laughs> I know, I was just talking to Bailey 15 minutes ago. How embarrassing. I call myself a professional. No, but the truth is, I just got really distracted as I was looking at his Instagram, all right? All right? So, look, I'm looking at some dope illustrations, and they do convey the dreamscape that uh, Bailey's talking about. And I don't know. You might have heard of a band called Rise Against. No big deal. Just drew a little poster for him. Just post it up here. Check it out. You might have heard a band called Mount Joy. Got a little bit up. If, if if you're really interested in looking at his work, I mean, it's 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 pretty good. You oh know? shit! Is that a DMX poster? Wow, that's just gorgeous. Look at the look at the flora in this in this yeah. amazing work. Have you heard of DMX? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you know, just saying. So this is a dude who is uh, younger than the art pros, who is working with some big names in his industry. Not in the, I'm sure in the illustration industry, but also. The niche within which he is an artist is in the music industry. And I know that I personally like to hear how you got started into that. Uh, so at first there was a lot of crying. Um, <laughs> but no, I uh, I started when I was still in school a couple of years ago before leaving, which I'm sure we'll touch base on further down the conversation. Um, yeah, we hate school. But uh, I started when I was in school still, and I knew that I loved music, and I knew that I, I really loved illustrating, and I really loved printmaking with screen printing and everything. And I wanted to try and break into that scene in one way or another, and so I just started sending out emails to bands that I really enjoyed listening to on Spotify, on records, on the radio whenever I heard them or anything. And you know, I did a couple of posters here and there. My first band that I ever did more than one poster for was this band from... Uh, Fayetteville, uh, Brother Moses, and they've recently moved to New York, but they're fantastic if you want to check them out. Um, but I started doing posters for them, and the first one was very heavily art-directed, which I'm very cool with because I was very new in the industry and I also didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and after I did that, they kind of gave me free reigns for the first time ever on a poster that I've done and said, just do what you want to do, just make sure that it fits you know, our aesthetic, our vibe, and you have all the relevant show information on there. So I did it. I screen printed it in the studio at the school that I went to. Um, I'm not sure if I can say what school it was yeah, so we don't okay. get sued. Um, <laughs> but I, I screen printed it in the studio that I took classes in. And you know, since then, I think I only have like one or two copies left of that poster. Uh, so that was the first one that kind of started to garner a little bit of attention. And fast forward about six months, and I got hired by Mount Joy for my first like real big concert poster, and we did a tour poster for their spring tour of this year, actually, of 2019, and that kind of set everything else in motion, yeah. just because that kind of, that poster got me noticed a little bit, it took off like with fans, with poster fans, so yeah, that was cool. That's kind of how everything got started. Yeah, I got a buddy who, who has a similar story. He said that there was one... He had done some work in the film industry 
and then he did one piece that was like a, a VR documentary of his grandmother. Or Are you talking about Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, Quentin yeah. Tarantino. <laughs> and he said it was that breakout uh, project mm-hmm. that really did it. And for you, you said it's the Mount, it was the Mount Joy yeah, Spring yeah. Tour. Yeah, it was the Mount yeah. Joy Spring Tour poster from this year. And it's also just like... That was the first one that I ever did that really had any bit of recognition outside of working within the band set. Like, I knew and nobody else and I knew knew. Yeah. Um, and so it was the first, like, piece of exposure that I've gotten that I actually got paid for. And <laughs> it was uh, it was really cool because we initially, we did it with about 400 to 450 posters for an entire four-month sprawl of a tour. And by the first night of pre-orders, there was already 150 sold. And so it kind of just stone, the stone kept rolling down the hill and picked up a lot of momentum. And we ended up with a little around like 1500 copies printed for that one tour run. So that kind of let us know that we were able to establish a fan base within Mount Joy for posters. And I started to kind of get a little bit of a fan base with people, like with my illustration, with my style of illustration. So it kind of just all came together really naturally, luckily, because I know that's not really a common thing to happen so quickly. Um, and so it was it was cool that everything kind of pieced itself together in that time period. I hope that all of you listeners can appreciate the eloquence and articulation of Bailey in describing why and how he became successful with being able to network and and create prints for these bands. I, I want to ask you, Bailey, how did how long did it take for you to to try and get exposure for free? How long did it take for you to finally break through with the first band before Mount Joy? Shoot. Um, so, oh boy, I was doing art prints, and by the time that I started to really forcibly email myself out into the world, it was probably an eight-month span between when I started like really wanting to get into it and when I actually started to get into it and started to get paid. Because I did do the first couple of posters that I did for free just because I was like, you know, exposure. I might as well, yeah, exposure. And I was like, it's, you know, I'm working within the music industry and I can start saying I work within the music industry. I can start saying I work within the music industry at bars to people who like Pokemon tattoos. <laughs> you know, I can really just like start to do what I want to do and I'm not making a ton of money, but you know, I'm still in school. So I don't really necessarily need a ton of money just because I have... A job on top of that and this isn't really like demanding as much of my time as someone that does this full-time that relies on this to be able to actually make a living and so it was it was that time period that let me kind of understand my craft and understand like this is how the industry works not saying that that time period actually helped me understand how the industry works but it definitely gave me like that foot in the door to understand what to do so there's a lot of um, artists that you definitely went to school with who would probably kill right now to be able to get paid to do work mm-hmm. in the way that you do what do you think set you apart from them like what led you down to this trajectory of actually you know being able to be a paid artist i was a bad student oh you were a bad i was student. i was a bad student <laughs> yeah i uh when i started doing this and when i started kind of doing it for exposure i didn't really do my schoolwork. You know, I apologize to any of my professors if they listen to this or, you know, anyone that I'm related <laughs> to if they listen to this because they will find out that it was all for naught. But I was in the studio and I was working on prints that I knew would forward my career rather than forward my academic career. Yeah. Uh, just because I, instead of thinking like two years down the road, like when I was going to graduate, I was like, all right, I'm going to think 10 years down the road because I'm going to graduate. And this is of course, before I knew that I was leaving school, I'm going to graduate and then I'm already going to have this like small client base. I'm going to have this portfolio and I'll be able to move into the world and hopefully break into the industry. Um, so I think the thing that really helped me get set apart and that helped me actually get paid out of the 
out of the gun from school. It was uh, just thinking that far down the road. And I know a lot of people aren't really comfortable thinking that far down. So it's kind of just like one of those things that if you're comfortable with it, it helps. But like if you're not comfortable with it, then there's other things that you're going to have to try and explore to further it. I really appreciate the perspective that Bailey is sharing with everybody. And what he's sharing is um, that you really, you know, just because you're in school doesn't mean that you're not allowed to explore your options out there. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that, that you can't plan ahead. And, I mean, in Bailey's case, he did plan ahead, but also his his options lined up for more quickly than, I mean, in six months. Yeah. In six yeah. months, you got a gig like that that really changed change your career yeah it changed the trajectory of my career for sure and i guess it was also another thing that wasn't really my decision that helped me set it up is i was kind of forcibly made to try and push my career a lot harder than i expected to just with like having to leave school so quickly yeah. just because i was in a scenario where i was like all right i need to figure out how to keep making art so that way i'm not rusty by the time that i'm able to actually start doing things yeah. and i need to kind of just like set myself up so that in six months from now you know i'm not in school anymore I'm working a part-time retail job and I just like, I want to be able to set myself up to continue this career once I actually have time and once I have the availability. So I was kind of forced to start thinking more seriously about it a lot sooner than I anticipated, which I feel like lit the fire under my ass that I really needed. Yeah. I mean, I have to mirror Renz's sentiments that uh, the fact that you, you looked at school and you made the decision that it wasn't the end all be all of avenues for you to pursue an mm -hmm. arts career what I think is really important. And, and also a, a big thing in terms that we've talked about in a bunch of episodes, and I've actually referenced Bailey in the past, uh, that I don't, I don't think that, I think to Bailey it seems so natural, but really I can't underline enough likely how important it was that you emailed people and you reached out and you were like, I have work, I have content that I can provide for you guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Give me opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And that's honestly one of the single most important pieces of advice that I can give anyone whenever they ask me, you know, like, I want to get into concert posters. How do you do it? How do you do it so quickly? And like, first I tell them, you know, don't worry about it happening so quickly because I'll say it was like an anomaly that I was yeah. able to break into it as quick as I did. You know, I was super lucky that I was able to, but... I keep telling people, you know, like email, email, email. I used to send maybe a hundred emails a week and I was lucky if I heard one or two back every two weeks. That's crazy. And so, yeah, it's kind of just like you, you have a pitch that you really get down and you don't copy and paste it, but like, it's kind of like muscle memory to the point where you get the contact information, you get the email off of Instagram, you get it off of the Facebook page, you get it off of the website, you get it off of wherever you need to get, you send the email, you're like, hi, I'm blah, 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 I'm based out of here, you know, I do posters, I really like this band, here's my stuff, here's my Instagram, you know, let's do it. And going from there, you know, you just have to hope they answer. See, I want to uh, make it clear to the listeners that, that that's what you call sweat equity. And sweat <laughs> equity is what what that what that means is you work and you work and you work and it feels like it's for nothing. You're sweating your balls off, and you don't know what's gonna come out of it. But the point is, something might and something probably will if you continue to do it until you get that. Yeah, and that's what that Bailey did. That's what Bailey did. So, can you tell us how it felt to finally take the risk, take the jump, and 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 what 
what was it that made you feel comfortable enough to say, I got this. This is all Bailey. Um, so you guys referenced like saying you talked about me in a pre uh, like a previous podcast yeah. earlier in this podcast to say I started by crying. I think this is also a place where I can reference something that I said in the past. Uh, just because I'm, you know, thinking about how when I started this and it's really started to feel like it was taking off. It was a bunch of really overwhelming emotions, both po like both positive and negative. And so, what, sorry, Rents, you said it. <laughs> you... What what was it that made you uh, decide that I got this? Like I don't I don't really want to go work. to like really want to take the jump. Yeah, um, like, that you didn't need to go to school to further your career um i mean i won't lie for the first couple of months of this year because this is the first year that i've really been doing this like professionally and yeah, been doing it in like a serious respect i'm 22 yeah. to, to preface with that yeah. so um i you know started doing it this year and even up until may i had a lot of feelings of imposter syndrome just because i felt like it was a fluke you know this this one poster got really got really popular and that was you know that was going to be it i was just going to kind of fade back into the nether and you know my stuff wasn't going to take off and i wasn't actually going to get to do what i wanted to do uh, but you know i just kept pushing through it hoping that things were going to work out and then you know fast forward two months past when i did my mount joy poster back in january uh, I was at South by Southwest for the Flatstock convention and I got a super random email from someone that works for Live Nation and she was like, I saw your stuff sitting in a Philadelphia flower shop. I really like it. Do you want to do a poster for DMX? And you know, that really started, yeah, that really started to like get me to feel like, all right, so like maybe this wasn't a fluke. Like I'm just going to do this and I'm going to do it in like my iconography and my visual narrative that I really want to like continue throughout all of my stuff, even though DMX and Mount Joy are two like polar opposite music acts. And so I was like, I'm just going to do what I want to do for this and hopefully it picks up. And that kind of launched everything even more than I would have expected it to launch two years down the line of doing it. And so I think it was just kind of pushing through those feelings of this is like, this is all for naught. Like this is just not going to be able to continue to continue in a couple of months, just pushing through those. I think after that DMX poster came out, that was that moment of like, all right, I think I can do this. I think I can handle it. And then a couple more months, I quit one or two of my retail jobs and just have been working in what I want to do and what I love ever since. Respect. So would you say Mount Joy's like Wes Anderson and DMX is like Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, actually, that's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to say. So I'm glad you were picking up on that. All right. So I got enough. I mean, um, we got you on the hot seat already. I'm going to ask you another hidden question Go right ahead. now. All right. So you just talked about, we just talked about your, so it's given that you have skill and talent in illustrating. You're using Photoshop. I'm correcting my embarrassing mistake <laughs> earlier. Yeah, he's a Photoshop you. user. You just told us about he's exclusive to that. Yeah, Illustrator is the bane of my existence. Yeah. And I'll go on record saying that. Um, so what do you think, barring, you know, we already know your skills in mm -hmm. Photoshop. What, what do you think sets you apart from any other illustrators that, you know, you, you went to school with? What, what, <laughs> the, those emails that you sent. Renzi, you're really making it that's so people big, are going to get mad at me if they good, hear this. I mean, um, no, just blame me. Really. Uh, <laughs> I asked the question. I'm just saying like, that's, that's the, that's a difference maker. There's an X yeah. factor to what you did. I think, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off from finishing oh, the question. Good. I was just going to say the same thing in different words. In different words. All right, cool, <laughs> cool, cool. Um, I think, I don't know if anything really sets me apart 
part per se like i'll continue over and over again and say that me hitting it off was like a big stroke of luck as well as like you know putting in the time and everything but i think the one thing that like makes my work what it is and what a lot of people comment on whenever they talk to me about it is light and color those are like the two biggest things that a lot of people really like notice within my work is because i'm able to use the tools in photoshop and they're even basic tools you know it's not like i'm using any crazy photo photoshop functions to make my stuff i'm literally just using like altered kyle webster brushes that i made and i have like six brushes total that i use in all of my work um just being able to learn gradually how to manipulate those basic tools into doing literally whatever i want to do and you know working within four or five colors in my prints to get what i want to get out of them and make it look like there are stars that are actually beaming or the moon is full and it's shining or the sun is glaring directly at you um you know i think it's just my ability to be able to do those things and to create those kind of like worlds within the piece of paper um i think really sets my stuff to where it's at with the people that view it well so the skills is one thing. The the artistic skills is one. What mm -hmm. about what about crossover skills? Like your business skills. I think it's a big deal. Um like, yeah. And and Gage already said it comes natural to you. Like what what did you pick up on? What how, how did you approach it and what what clicked for you? I was just myself. Like I never really tried to put on a formal mask or a facade whenever approaching clients, you know. I always email someone and if they write me back i'm like hey it's good to hear from you man like you know i really love the band i'd really love to do this for you i'm glad you enjoy my work like let's get something together i'm super stoked i was never like oh hello thank you i really enjoy the music that you produce i'd love to do something for you can we maybe sit down over a cup of tea and just discuss some artisanal approaches that we can take to this project <laughs> uh you know it was really just like being myself and i didn't really have to you know, focus a ton on like creating that business aspect just because I just talked to people. And I feel like that was the greatest thing because, you know, if you, the, the hardest part about like creating a business, about like getting into the industry of like anything and having your own business where you pay yourself for what you do is just like getting that way of talking to people. And I was just lucky enough to be like very extroverted. I mean, Gage, you know this after being around me so much. Yeah. I'm, we always end up, whenever we're walking around anywhere, we get stuck for like 20 minutes because I talk to random people about SpongeBob or Avatar. And so it's just like, it, it I think just like being so extroverted really plays in in my corner of the field really to being able to talk to people easily yeah a lot of you interns are probably gonna have to face the issue of not having i mean from from what i understand this is a little bit of insider baseball uh bailey is probably and this is rare more uncomfortable when not talking to strangers yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no absolutely Absolutely. And it, it also just helps that I rewatch Avatar The Last Airbender once a month. So I have fresh content to talk to people about. Because oh, yeah, you, yeah. yeah, you just recognize like things over and over again in the show. And you're just like, hey, do you remember when Korra bent that person's blood? Shit was <laughs> wild. And then they're like, oh, wow, yeah, that's cool. You want to do posters for me? That's usually how my business conversations go. Is it? That's so, crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's my one key to being successful in the, like the art field. Watch Avatar. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Just do what you do. Yeah, just watch Avatar. That's awesome, man. So you uh, you said you brought up a couple times how you had to leave school. Mm -hmm. What's the deal with that? Um, it was re it really all just came down to the the you know the root of all evil money. Uh, my financial aid was cut a semester out from graduation, and you know when it happened, I was very distraught. I didn't see 
that future that I saw for the last couple of years, 10 years down the road anymore, because I was just like, you know, shit, man, I don't have my degree now, like, I'm going to be way less accredited, I'm going to be, like, not as serious with all these other people graduating from art schools my age trying to get work, and, you know, that was also before I started to really do it and notice that, like, your portfolio is what really, like, mattered with everything, um, but yeah, it was just, it was a really weird couple of months you know leaving school and having three years of your life being the same thing over and over again and having such strict guidelines as to what you could do and learning that when you get out and about in the real world that's not really how things are especially if you focus on one particular part of your craft um so it was just a really hard adjustment and you know i don't really i don't have any hard feelings towards the school that i went to like i did the first couple of months when i left because i was like you know you guys really ruined the rest of my life like you know i'm gonna have to come back and spend another thirty five thousand dollars just to get that piece of paper um but since i've started to really push more into doing freelancing and started to really push more into making what i want to make for who i want to make it for uh i kind of forgiven the school and I'm also I'm going back and doing like workshops and lectures and stuff like that at some point soon so it's yeah to the point where I'm like I'm still affiliated with the school but in more of like a visiting artist respect which is wild because I'm still 22 and didn't get my degree from there so it's yeah I, I don't have any hard feelings towards it anymore but I wouldn't say that it was uh god what am I trying to say I wouldn't say that the three years of schooling was 100% necessary to get where I'm at yeah yeah it it's a very Coonsian story. Jeff Coons left a, a school, the same school. <laughs> you 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 narrowed it down. Jeff Coons left the same school. No, he went uh, to SAIC too. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> and uh, ended up coming back and getting honorary degrees. So maybe mm. you won't have to pay that thirty five thousand. I don't know if I want that honorary degree. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I kind of you know I think I think our uh, listeners are smart enough to know that we're in uh, we're not in Baltimore, Chicago. Yeah. Right now, it wouldn't um, be Baltimore, Illinois. Well, you know, we can bleep that out <laughs> if we need to. I don't know, like, whatever. Um. So that's, I mean, that's awesome. That's actually really inspirational. I had no idea you were 22 years old. I had no idea that you were a mover and a shaker the way you were, man. Yeah, I just, I knew that you were, I knew that you were hustling. I knew you were part of the professional hustling corporation. Yeah. But the story you told me, six months is insane. It's amazing. Yeah, it was a it was a crazy couple of months, and you know, it. I was still working two jobs on top of like trying to break into it, and so it really was just a crazy couple of months, you know. And I definitely, if I could go back and do the last six months differently, I would. Not to the point where it's like I want to just not be where I'm at right now, but I didn't really handle getting the amount of work that I've gotten over the last couple of months with poise. Because I gave up a lot of different pieces of mental health. I gave up a lot of like parts of my sleep schedule, my eating habits. Uh, you know, I didn't really like keep strengthened personal relationships because I poured too much time into my work and not enough time into actually like caring for myself. So if I could go back, I would really like pay more attention to myself, not just on perfecting like the way that I want to do business dealings. But still, like, you know, it was, it, I'm still super thankful that the last six months have went the way that they've went. Well, aside from your sweat equity, it sounds like you also got some stress equity. Yeah. 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 No, I'm rich in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so most artists don't just uh, develop ideas or have an, an aesthetic from thin air. Clearly, you have some interests. You know, you said Avatar, but what mm -hmm. are some things that inspire you? Like, I, I have trouble 
you know, because I intake so much bullshit content all the time that I love. I just <laughs> eat it up. And I have trouble sometimes sifting through it and being like, all right, mm-hmm. what do I want to emulate in my art? What are the things that you look at that you don't emulate in your art, but that inspire you? Um, I watch a lot of movies, like just from varying different genres and from like different levels of production. Like I watch small indie movies, watching like large movies. I recently watched this movie called Brightburn, which it was good for what it was, but it wasn't you know, great, but yeah. it was, it was really good for color and perspective because there were a lot of shots that were really well done on this like farm plot in the middle of nowhere. And so it was really cool to see that style of farmhouse and everything. Are you looking up Brightburn right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, it's, the, uh, that's the villain hero movie, right? Yeah, 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 like kind of like what if Superman was an asshole? Yeah, I mean more more so of an asshole than he was because he fucking snapped that guy's neck. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was just like you know watching movies. The amount of information that I intake from that doesn't all translate into my work, but I feel like I've created this kind of base visual narrative that I care like carry over print to print to kind of band it all together into one shared print universe. Uh, that I can kind of borrow the ideas and formulate the ideas based off of all the information that I intake on a day-to-day basis from the movies and TV shows that I watch while working. Um, and also like video games. I used to play a lot of video games, granted not as much anymore, but still a lot. And with video games, it's a lot more of an expansive experience. And so you enjoy a lot bigger environments. You enjoy a lot of things that can't really happen in a traditional movie setting. And so that mixed with the movies is just like an overload of information. Do you have a favorite video game that's inspired you? Right now, it's this game called Control that just came out from Remedy <laughs> Games. Um, Gage knows because every time I see him, I'm like, yo, yeah, yeah, I just got past this part in Control. It's so good. But it's this game where it's inside of like a shifting supernatural house, which is cool because like I don't normally work within interior settings. Like a lot of the things that I have coming out in the next couple of months are incorporating interior settings just because i kind of wanted to shift it up and change the things that i was illustrating but still pull off similar ideas that i've been going through for the uh, the last couple of months but it's this game about well shit now i don't want to ruin it for anyone because they're like oh wow he really likes control i'm gonna play it but then they listen for another 30 seconds and then (laughs) (laughs) um so it's this game about like supernatural abilities and just like different artifacts and stuff like that that are supernatural like traded or different people that are supernatural and stuff like that and i got it about a week ago would you say yeah about a week ago um and i told myself i'd only be playing it for maybe an hour a day so i could actually get work done and i ended up playing it all the way through in like three days because i just couldn't stop playing it um but that has helped me understand kind of just like how to generate interior scenes that are still as interesting as exterior scenes and i feel like in that entire game with all the amount of information i'm surprised that's what i took away from it um but it's it was really cool because yeah like it just it helped me understand the way that lighting interacts in an interior space rather than an exterior space with suns and moons and all that because i've been so reliant on light coming from both of those sources do you like indie games I do. I haven't played... Oh, wait. No, I have played it. What is... Oh, Life is Strange. The two Life is Strange games, absolutely fantastic. I've played through both of those numerous times. Those games are narrative behemoths. Yeah. For those of you who don't game. Well, there's three of them now, technically, because there's a prequel to the first one about Chloe and her girlfriend rachel i think was her name yeah so the the third one is still coming out just because they release it kind of like in an episodic 
way so they're still releasing episodes on that so i'm still playing through the third one but that's a fantastic indie game and then i played fez i mean everyone under the moon has played fez so yeah something i i not to detract from from video games but it's mildly related something i really appreciate and that i think uh those of you who are listening who don't make art uh, could take away from this is that like everything you look at it seems like at all moments that you're intaking anything you're paying attention to to the aspects of it that relate to your, your oh artwork. yeah so you're like talking about brightburn and how the exterior shots and the lighting mm-hmm. like that's specifically things that you touched on mm-hmm. and, and i know that myself as an artist someone i, I deal more in ideas less in in imagery typically so I, I tend to when i'm out and about and i'm watching movies i think a lot about the ideas that are getting pushed across in it in a words way mm-hmm. you know i'm a words guy <laughs> i'm more of like an aesthetics guy yeah yeah and i also i also appreciate that you, you like um the sense of nostalgia so like you, you you like content you like video games you mm-hmm. like watching a lot of movies which is a sense of escapism mm-hmm. and i always have looked at nostalgia also as a sense of escapism mm-hmm. so like seeing mm-hmm. that drawn into your art is is cool for me mm-hmm well, yeah, you see, I grew up in a really small orphanage in Surrey, England, and I asked for more from the guy that gave food out, so I had a really hard <laughs> upbringing. Um, but no, I mean, I I feel like just because there is such a massive amount of stress kind of put into my life at the beginning of this year, being forced out of school and kind of bouncing around living situations and work situations, uh, I feel like I started to look more and more for escapism, which kind of helped me push my craft further, just because I was able to start illustrating in a sense of this is how I want the world to look through my eyes, but it doesn't. And so watching movies and playing video games and watching TV shows, I still have that. And so I'm kind of like, all right, cool. I'm watching this. I'm enjoying it for the narrative that it is, but this is how the world is set up in there. I like this part of it. So I'm going to try and translate that part of it into my work in like my own style. Yeah. So I'm glad that you uh, explained that to us because the reason I brought it up was because of the visceral nature of things that can be um, in, in a certain sense, like, if, if it is nostalgic and you do come across something that feels that way, let's say someone saw one of your posters and they mm-hmm. felt the nostalgia. That's, that's in a way, that's a visceral sense of escapism. And that comes from a sensibility and inspiration that, that you have to pick up on, on things around you. And as an independent game developer... And right now, Bailey is oh, very that's why much. Why asked me about indie games? Yeah, yeah, he yeah, wanted me to. He wanted to plug his own game. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're, no, you're. I wanted to say because you're you're more or less an independent yeah. illustrator as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I will plug my game a little bit later <laughs> if you guys want to know about it. But um, no, my point being was that as an independent artist, you mm-hmm. do have that freedom and luxury to be able to do what you want mm-hmm. and appeal to things like Avatar. Mm-hmm. And bring that into your illustrations and your art and the aesthetic of that. I I do see the way that you use colors and how it relates to the colors in Avatar. Like, I I see that. Now, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, no, no wonder. if you look through all of my prints, you can actually see there's a hidden Aang in every single one of them. So, (laughs) you're right. Uh, Wait, is that that true? Yeah. No, it's not true. I don't want you to dig through my my portfolio looking for an Aang. Um, But no, it's... uh, I can't remember... 
Uh, Brian, yeah, Brian, the lead illustrator and creator of Avatar. I can never remember his last name, but I follow him on Instagram, and he very periodically posts concept sketches from Avatar, and I find those to be a heavy inspiration because the way that he handles the very bare-bones sketching of the characters and the bare-bones sketching of, like, the natural settings and stuff of Avatar really just helps me kind of visualize the way that I want to see, you know, the light interact with the people and the animals and the individuals that are inside of my prints and how he creates a lot of depth with not a huge color palette in the background for all the different like animated shots where you know the gang is going across serpent's pass in book three or they're going through are you getting your phone to look up serpent's pass no <laughs> I, I was getting at the suggest something oh um but yeah and so it's just kind of like pulling in inspiration without really taking i i guess if that's the best way to put it just because i want to still be able to formulate my own ideas and be able to formulate my own settings within this like shared quote unquote universe of my prints and of my art, uh, but still be able to like think about the way that he thought about things, if that makes any sense without it sounding like way too cliche. For sure. So like outside of, you know, the fact that you do this as a source of income, you're, you're very dedicated to world building. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it seems that that's like a running theme with, with everything you've been saying. Mm -hmm. You're very dedicated to world building. And yeah. those of you who aren't familiar with Bailey's work, I highly suggest you check it out because it, it is really clear that that's what he's doing is world building. The The settings are are different. The, the concepts are different, but ultimately overall you feel like they're part of a, a contiguous universe. And that's something that, like, I, I love games. I love video games, and that's the thing that I look for in video games. That's the thing that I look for in, in any type of dramatic work mm -hmm. is a sense of world building. And yeah. that's just something I love. Continuity throughout the entire thing. For sure. And, like, a lot of fine artists, um, which is more the realm that that we've covered so far, like, people who seek to be, like, gallery represented and be, like, uh, institutionally praised, not, you know, actually viably successful – um mm -hmm. in the way that you are they don't really do a lot of world building mm. you know and that's something that i like about your work a lot well i appreciate that, it yeah <laughs> and in the Thank business you. world this is really important that's called branding yeah true and that's something people you know that are you, you do business with they'll recognize that and here it comes natural to mr bailey and bailey's building his own world that's his branding and it works it's you know, how else are you going to achieve a poster for Mount Joy and DMX that works at the same time without a strong brand, without a strong world that only comes from a sensibility that, you know, has integrity? And that's actually something that's that's different um, because I, I follow a couple poster artists on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's different about yours is that you could have your DMX poster and your Mount Joy poster and your brother Moses poster all next to each other, and I'd be like, yeah, that's believable. Like, that's the same, you know, continuous body of work. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, with other poster artists, they have a different hand that addresses it because they're, you are, I would say, I would underline artist. You are a poster artist. Mm -hmm. And some people are poster designers, and that's not to say that the quality of their work isn't on par or, or even better in mm -hmm. some senses, but it's not a continuous body of work. And, how do yeah. you feel about that? Um, I mean, I partially agree, but I also partially disagree just because I feel like being within this community that is, it is niche being a poster artist, especially in the professional world. Like, you know, there's really only 
a hundred some odd of us around the world that really yeah. do it to like a, a similar aspect. And I'm not saying like I'm in any way, shape, or form the same league as people, you know, like Dan Styles or uh, Dan Black from Landland with Jess Siemens or Dave Clock or any of those people. I'm nodding but... like I know who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, you know, this is they're they're all you know they're friends of mine. Yeah. Not Dan Styles. Dan Styles is like a behemoth, but uh, you know that is something that I look up to because there are other artists that do a very similar thing with world building, world building like Landland, Dan Black, and Jess Siemens. So those guys are really good at creating a very like shared narrative throughout all their prints because it's really cool they do something really different because dan does a lot of the the line work traditionally with microns on clayboard and stuff like that but then jess actually goes in with watercolor yeah she does a watercolor painting they scan the two together they merge them and then they cmyk channel print them for all their posters so all their posters are watercolored and so they have a very similar color palette that carries along through every single print and they also have a very like stylistic hand that goes into all their posters and then the same thing with dave clock dave literally has a giant stylistic hand and literal hand in all of his prints because he usually incorporates these massive hands that are lifting <laughs> small individuals up and down out of the prints and uh it's it's just it's really cool seeing these people that have been in the industry for you know 10 15 years and they're doing work that i look up to and i'm just like damn okay i know i can't do that in the like the capacity that they do it because they are just like masters of their craft but like i see what they're doing and i want to try to at least start doing it with being able to have someone like you said look at three or four different pieces of my work that are all for very different artists like the strokes dmx mount joy and then like a couple of the people that i have stuff coming out for later this year and they're able to say like okay yeah this is the same person and i can see that there's a consistent visual narrative that's carrying across all three of these prints you know i am glad that people are like seeing that now um but it's yeah it's definitely like there are some artists that do it and then there are some that not but i wouldn't put down the artists that don't just no, because each individual not. piece is just like a you know, it's a grand piece of art. And so it's just, it's kind of like one of those things where I very much enjoy doing it, but others don't. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah. I guess I, I should, uh, I should correct myself. You don't need to have a, a grandiose vision to be a good artist. And you, you've proven that. I'm just kidding. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I like memes. So I, that... <laughs> I wanted to ask you, uh, on some on some insider shit mm -hmm. is there is there a lot of beef in the poster world like you know like how there's like rap beefs and shit i don't i don't want to say anything on that <laughs> just because i i definitely feel like i can incriminate myself but oh i get um, you yeah. <laughs> uh yeah no i mean there's just like you know it's it's a professional field and there are going to be people that don't like each other and there are going to be people that like each other. There's going to be people that don't like certain people's work. Like there are going to be people that don't like certain people's personalities towards things. But, you know, it's just you got to carry on and just like do your own thing and just hope that the people outside of the community and then some of the people in the, com in the community are going to react positively to it. Are you strapped? Am I in, in case of uh, poster beef? I keep microns on me, but <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Someone you don't want to mess with in the industry. Yeah. No, I'm just curious because, like, I know for sure that, like, in the uh, of like people I know who are who are like sculptors, like at my job, you know, I work with a lot of different mm -hmm. nature sculptors, and they clearly have serious beef because there's only like. 30 of them in the u.s you know mm -hmm. who, like sculpt horses and they yeah. all fucking talk oh, so much fucking shit. horse sculptors man i've yeah. met them they were the fucking worst <laughs> yo they talk so much shit about each other it's crazy like do they have anything to say about poster artists no 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 okay. they're, they're no they mainly talk 
talk shit about people like horse anatomy okay like i so i do the patinas for like five of the different of like the biggest mm-hmm. like horse sculptors on the east coast yeah and they all come to me like oh my god that leg's too short and they <laughs> say shit like that to me and it's crazy it's so much shade yeah no it's it's really weird because you'd think they'd all just be happy that they have a job yeah but... <laughs> yeah you know you do something very niche you sculpt horses yeah like <laughs> come on and that's i think the thing with like poster beef is there's just not a ton of us yeah and friends are you okay (laughs) i'm just really i I think it's super funny that the horse art industry has so much controversy (laughs) it's a very controversial field um but yeah you know it's just like there there aren't many of us and so the the second biggest piece of advice i can give on top of emailing and just like getting yourself out there is just don't be a dick you know and that's that's a conversation that i've had numerous times with like previously mentioned dan black and dave clock like those are two dudes that have been doing this for a long time and you know they like a lot of people like them and it's just like just because they're nice dudes you know i met dave and dan for the first time ever at south by southwest at that flat stock convention that i previously mentioned and the first second that dave saw me he just had this giant smile and gave me a hug just because like we've talked previously on instagram but like that was the extent of it and he was just a super welcoming dude and dan gives me advice all the time on like the professional field and like how to handle certain clients and how to handle like certain uh production companies for movie posters or anything like that and so it's just it's really cool to be able to have these resources but then there's also people that like you try and talk to and they're just like very reluctant to help you in any aspect because they look at it more like a business transaction than just like friends giving people advice you know what i mean so it's just kind of like it's just one of those things where it's like it coming it comes and goes and the best thing to do is just like be a good dude that's called community values right there and that's a real thing Mm -hmm. and that's what happens when you enter a a field where you you know you can you can be interacting with uh enthusiasts professionals like bailey who do it because they love it then there's going to be people who do it because they make money from it and they want to charge you a consulting fee just to talk with you about something that you're both passionate about. I mean, who knows? Maybe this person that thinks that it's all about business, maybe you're more passionate than that person. I mean, that's the thing that you have to watch out for when you get out in the what they call the real world. <laughs> and <laughs> Why quotes? <laughs> you know, because that's how it feels before you enter. Yeah. You know? And one of the most important aspects of uh advice that i've ever gotten in art school is the fact that you can't burn bridges why would you Mm -hmm. oh i wish i got that advice well i mean that's the thing too (laughs) is uh, a lot of people didn't give me that advice in art school just because you know i went to again an undisclosed art school yeah very Um, secretive (laughs) i i went to that school and you know it was very much like i didn't do fine art and so a lot of people didn't really, A, know how to give me advice on working within a commercial industry such as music posters, and also B, like, want to really talk to me about things like that, because they were too busy talking to people about gallery shows, uh, Jeff Koons, and I, I don't know, like, a, a single red dot on a six foot by six foot canvas. Um, but... Beautiful! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just like, you know, that's totally cool, because, like, you know, to each their own, but it's just like, it, it was something that I learned going into the field is just like it the industry wouldn't exist if people didn't help each other out you know the first music poster way back in like 2 bc it like it was from this dude that could like smash two rocks together in a really good sounding way and his friend that could you know draw horses really well that also started the horse sculpture movement by the way he was a very multifaceted dude and a shit talker Uh, oh okay um (laughs) but you know it, it probably started with you know 
hey, I really like the way you do this. Can you do this for my band or whatever? Not 2 BC, but whenever it happened. 4 BC. For, probably. Um, and then the second poster happened because the first guy was too busy. So he was like, hey, my buddy over here can also draw well. You should have him do a poster. And, you know, it works the same way. It's a ripple effect. Yeah. You know, because you work well with one band or you get in, like, a really good friendship with another artist and they're not able to take something on or... A uh, band knows another band that's looking for a poster artist, and they're like, hey, we worked with this dude. He's really cool. Like, we work really well together. You should hit him up. Like, we think your stuff would mesh well. And then it just snowballs from there, you know? But then if you're a dick to other people and you're just like, I don't want to help you because it'll probably mean I get less jobs, you know, then that's going to snowball again into more and more people knowing that's how you treat, like, friendships within the industry and, you know, treating, like, different interactions in the industry that don't forward your career, you know, just like just treating like simple interactions yeah. that are going to help other people out. You know, p people hear about that and people yeah. talk about that. And so it's just one of those things where just be nice. Like, I can't stress that enough for anyone that's actually like listening to this and thinking about wanting to get into it. It's just like be a good person. That's it. So you're not one to shit talk, but was it weird to uh, work with professors whose only source of income from their art was teaching other people what they learned at art school? Um, I mean, I don't think it was weird just because a lot of the professors that I had were really cool with the fact that I wanted to do music posters instead of fine art. That, that was the thing, too, was a lot of professors were really cool with it. A lot of the students couldn't really understand it, and they yeah. looked at a burning building, and they go, what's the concept? And I go, it's a building that's on fire. I, I don't understand what else you want from that. Concept um, is money, baby. <laughs> but it, it was just like, I was drawing things I thought were cool, and, you know, the professors acknowledged that, and they were just like, we know that you're doing what you want to do we know that you're doing what you love and like that's a lot of the people that i that i like studied under they were like we know that that's what art school is all about is just like doing what you love and you know just doing it and so a lot of the professors that i had i talked to about music posters not in the capacity where they knew how to give me advice how to break into the industry just obviously because a lot of them weren't in the music industry doing it so it was just like i was talking to them about music and i was talking to them about working with like quick deadlines and stuff like that which like helped me to some respect but it wasn't really talking to anyone that just didn't get it entirely yeah within faculty you know what i mean for sure um I, you know, I also went to an undisclosed art school and I would say it takes a sense of, <laughs> it takes a sense of maturity to, uh, didn't all of us go to undisclosed art school? Yeah. All of us <laughs> went to, to a similar undisclosed art school. It, it, it definitely takes a sense of maturity that you don't see a lot at this undisclosed art school where you can kind of separate yourself from your opinion and like give good advice. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked that question. Because yeah. Sometimes I find professors also don't do that. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I guess that was that was a really good thing about the program that I was that I was in at the school is a lot of professors just like understood that I was doing what I loved and they were able to give me solid advice based on like the fact that I wasn't doing what other students were doing. And you know, it, it, it echoed in the critiques too. You know, when we got yeah. around, they at the beginning of the creek, they were like, "All right, we know that like this isn't very conceptual. So what do you want to do with it?" So they like set it up so there was going to be more of like a meaningful conversation between me and peers rather than like peers consistently going, "What's the concept?" You know what I mean? And so it really helped out, but I do agree that a lot of the times at that school, you know, it's it's really just like heavily rooted in like very aggressive peer-to-peer -peer, like 
concept talking dude if i were you i would have just like next to your piece hung up the invoice and that's it <laughs> well that's the thing i wasn't a lot of my stuff wasn't for clients it was just like art prints yeah and i was just doing what i wanted to draw and a lot of people just like didn't get that and you know it even got to the point where like now i was talking to a buddy of mine and he was talking to someone and they're like we don't really get what does he do and my buddy was like what is there what is there to get he he prints and illustrates things for other people and the person was just like, but why? <laughs> so, so I'm going to get a little edgy. Mm -hmm. I've developed a very good method of tricking people into thinking I'm not a white guy. Mm. How, uh, how did that ever affect you at art school? Like being, you know, like a white dude? I wouldn't say so. No, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, like from time to time there was, there was this, oh, oh yeah. Okay. So there's this one critique actually while we're burrowing down deeper into the <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, there was this one critique where I illustrated this place. I was a sanitarium in the town that I grew up and yeah. it was famously known for being inflammable. And so I lit it on fire in the, in the print. And so, Art. yeah, it was, it was tight. And so I, I was like sitting in the critique and they were like, yeah, but like, did you think about the thoughts and feelings of the people who were admitted to the sanitarium? Now, if someone saw this that were related to them, how they would think about the building being lit on fire. And I look at the person, and I go, no, but should I? <laughs> and so it was just like, within that same conversation, you know, people were saying being a white straight male from that perspective and I think that was really the only time that I ever had people try and like bring that type of like social politics into a critique of my work, uh, which I mean, I'm sure other people have done it in other aspects, but it's never been like to my face. Yeah. And so I just, I personally haven't really dealt with like hearing that from a lot of people. And I say dealt with, like, it sounds like I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, fuck that. Like, I don't want to hear that ever. But it's just like, I've never heard it from anyone. All right. So here's the thing, folks. Uh, we're about, uh, we're almost done to the end. And I wanted to wrap up everything, all of the excellent advice that I hope everybody picked up on in uh, Mr. Bailey's uh, work, professionalism, career path Mr. is Bailey. this That's is me. the thing. What we were just talking about, if you are in art school right now, if you plan on going to art school, just really, honestly, don't overthink your concept. Concept yeah. is a word. It's a, it, there's a double-edged sword to that. Because at the end of the day, I think it's a lot more important to address and go after what you really feel strongly about without double thinking yourself. Yeah. I think that happens to a lot more people than it should. And in the realm of art school, we are trained in the skill of being critical. But there's also a caveat to that. Because when you're overly critical about what you do, you might close yourself off to what you actually really love. And that'll take you away away from from what the doors that you can open up with with the truth about what you really like, and it's a big distraction to me. Like to me, definitely, I transferred to the art school I went to from a community college, an undisclosed community college, an undisclosed <laughs> community college in San Diego City. May or may not be called San Diego City Community College. It's not. It's. it's <laughs> I mean, I'll leave that up to the it's people. Gerald to R. Ford Community Tech School. Yeah, but to be one hundred percent honest, I appreciated the education I got from there as much as I did in the art school that remains undisclosed. Yeah. At the end of this episode. And I also like I will I will say I won't bash anyone that does go to art school because you know it is it's good for a lot of people. It just wasn't great for me yeah. and it's like a lot of people do 
take great pride in like the school that they went to and the art school that they went to, which they should, you know, because you put in X amount of money, you put in X amount of time and you know, that's the school that you went to. It's in the same respect as like a football player going to a D1 school for football. You know, if you're an artist and you go to an art school that's well renowned, then it's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal to you. It's a big deal to anyone that you know. And like, do that because that's what you want to do, which is it wasn't for me. And also like bouncing again off of concept, the concept alone is it's very subjective because I do have a lot of concept now, but I don't have the concept that like people usually talk about in art school critiques. Yeah. I mean, the thing that was developed was like postmodernism where it's like, Mm -hmm. like context and all. Yeah. 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 And it's like now all the posters I do, like the concept is I want to try and pack as much, like as many Easter eggs as possible. And like, I do, I, I get lucky because I don't have to sit around and sketch out crazy details and stuff like that because I rely heavily on the way that I talk about my art. Yeah. And I email very rough concepts to the point where I sent a concept a couple of months ago and the guy emailed it back and he was like, is this it? Can can we see a little bit more? Um, and so I... I do well talking about posters now, but back then I was just like, I, I didn't understand it, you know? And so I feel like if you want to delve deeper into concept, then like delve deeper into concept because a lot of artists do that really well. You know, there's another buddy of mine, uh, Kelvin, he does all, he also does poster work, but he studies his ass off with like traditional etchings and stuff like that. And he is one of the most fantastic illustrators that I know. And a lot of his posters deal with like Aesop's fables and stuff like that. And so his concepts, are rooted in other concepts that have previously been developed and not all of his concept or concepts are rooted within previously developed concepts but like he translates them really well into like a visual form and you know if you can do that well then hell yeah right off of concepts that you come up with and that you want to bring in from you know past works and stuff like that but i'm just i don't know I, my stuff just never relied heavily on it at the end of the day it's all about understanding who you know and feel confident in that will be seeing what you put out. As a fine artist, as a professional poster illustrator, you should know who wants to look at what you put out. Devi- like as even if it's as weird as a deviant art print. Yeah. You know, if if you're painting something like furries, people will look at that. You just have to know who you're making it for. Yeah, there's a demographic. Yeah, yeah. as much as you make it for yourself, which is equally as important, you also have to know that people are going to consume it and yeah. they, you know, they might want to enjoy what you put out. Yeah, and like, for example, 45% of my demographic is people from the age of 20 through 35 that are 60% male and 40% female from the Midwestern <laughs> United States. Ours is, our, <laughs> our podcast is like really similar to that. Yeah? Yeah, that's our demographic. Yeah, it's just like my, my Instagram analytics told me all that. That's the only reason why I know that, is people in Milwaukee are really just digging my stuff right now. Well, when you start your uh, your Spotify podcast, you'll be able to get the same type of metrics. Oh, totally. <laughs> cool. Um, one, one more quick thing that I, I just wanted to ask really quick for mm-hmm. the interns. When you are describing a concept to people that you're reaching out to, maybe mm-hmm. for the first time, do you find more success saying explicitly what you're going to make like all right i want to do uh barbara streisand as godzilla over a mountaintop or is it more do you find more success when you're explaining like the concept behind that oh definitely explaining what i'm gonna do yeah just like, like explicitly yeah yeah like for example 99 percent of my prints deal with a night sky or a sunset yeah and so i find myself all the time leaving the sky completely like just papered 
paper tone, just like the artboard tone in Photoshop when I send in a digital, it's like mock-up and sketch of what I want to do. I just leave it completely blank or I just draw like a squiggly line that dithers off to the bottom. Yeah. Um, and then just in the email that I send over, I'm like, okay, and the sky is going to show a clean gradient between these Pantone colors, eventually leading down to a sun glaring off from behind this building, which the subject is going to be centered upon. And so it's just like, I, I do like previously I said, I don't put on a professional facade, but when I describe concepts, I find myself getting a lot more in depth than I do in any other aspect of talking about my art, uh, which I feel like is, you know, a, a good thing. Yeah. Just because I don't have to spend time sketching a lot. Like, for example, there's a poster that I have coming out in November for a pretty substantial client, and I was very nervous because I just did the same level of sketching that I usually do and the person didn't respond to me for three days and I emailed back and I'm just like if you want more I can give you more just like <laughs> let me know and they were like oh no sorry it was just it's just been a crazy week that works as long as it's got texture and yeah. I was like okay cool <laughs> I'll make it work you know we got it and so it's just kind of like describing exactly what's going to be in there rather than like describing the overall just like concept of what I want to do amazing absolutely amazing amazing and here's a tldr which uh we strategically plugged at the very end is uh if you want to learn how to be 100 percent exactly just like bailey all you gotta do is one work your butt off two cry cry <laughs> absolutely three know what you want to make and know who wants to see it and five be social. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and talk to people that you know are interested in the same things that you are interested in, the things that you like yeah. doing, drawing, listening to, whatever it might be. Yeah. Avatar, Pokemon, what the frick ever. Yeah, Who and cares? also just don't be afraid to be yourself. That's the biggest thing. Mm. Yeah, because I, I comment on Instagram. Instagram's a very like positive and also like poisonous platform yeah. uh, because I find myself just the way that I talk and I talk with a very energetic manner 99% of the time, unless I'm like super tired. Um, I find myself commenting with like 40 exclamation marks saying, goddamn dude on a post for a dude that's never going to know I exist that I look up to. But like, if I were friends with the person, that's exactly how I would react to it, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, don't be afraid to just like be you because five years down the road, if you meet that person and they're like, Oh yeah, no, you always comment with the really eloquent in depth, like, uh, understandings of my work and then you go yo what the fuck is up dude I love your shit you know they're just gonna be blindsided and it's just better to be yourself out and about in the interwebs and out and about when you're just like doing craft shows and stuff like that rather than just like trying to hide it so which speaking of if you're in the Baltimore the DMV area I'm gonna be at Hamden Fest on Saturday uh, September 21st if you want to come out and get some stuff gonna be debuting a couple of new prints a couple of new t-shirts what a professional. Yeah, you guys heard that. He fucking plugged this shit, right? We didn't have to tell him. Anything else you want to plug or any more advice you want to give before we close out today? Uh, No, I mean, the only plug I want to say is just, like, keep an eye out on the Instagram I previously mentioned just because I have a lot of really cool stuff coming out, both, like, within the music industry and outside of the music industry for the first time ever. So it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a cool couple of months leading up until around like April of next year. Um, and that's, uh, it's really based prints at, uh, in Instagram and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I was about to give you my email, but I forgot about that. One more time for the interns. That's really based prints spelt R A I L E Y B A C E prints on Instagram. Seriously, check it out. And also that's 
Prince, like P-R-I-N-T-S, not Prince, like the singer. A lot of people have uh, asked me if I was royalty, so... Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's the Art Pros. We're at paid.artists, and you can catch us online at artprospodcast.com or donate to our Patreon if you want more great exclusive content, patreon.com slash artprospodcast. We fucking love you guys thank you so much for coming on cool yeah no worries it, it, it you know it was pretty hard getting here the traffic was pretty bad but yeah, you know yeah, i i enjoyed sure. it <laughs> well there you have it folks 100 percent paid artist 100 percent art professional this is why we do what we do this is the art pros and we were here today sitting talking with a future legend Rayleigh Base Prince at, at, on Instagram at Instagram.com and Facebook and Facebook and, also. Well, I, I also have a Twitter for it, but like it's more ship hosting than art. So like, let's just keep a Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope you have a good night, morning or evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Peace. <laughs>